This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 589, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 589. I'm Ron Richards, alongside, as always, my good friend, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. 
And Josh Flanagan, he's he's just gone missing again. I don't know. It's some sometimes he sometimes he just needs to get away. <laughs> Seems to be happening more frequently lately. It really does. It really does. And he says it's not related to us, but I don't. I'm not quite sure. We are from iFanboy, and every week we read a stack of comics, and one of us picks their favorite book, and we dub that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other comic books that came out this week. You, the patrons, the supporters of iFanboy, get to pick a book for us to read and talk about. And if we have some time, we're going to answer some of your questions. No matter what, it's going to be a fun time, as always is. But we're going to warn you very quickly. uh, We're talking about what happens in the book. So if if you have not read them yet, take heed, take warning. Uh, We're going to spoil them. So beware. This week, Connor had the pick. And I really enjoyed reading comics this week, Ron. I had a lot of them. I, I, I was going to say, this week This week is pretty much the closest we get to Connor DC porn as it gets. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a good week. I had a lot of books. It seems like I always have a lot of books now. A lot of fun things to read. And the pick of the week was Dark Days, colon, The Forge, number one. And I don't know what this is. I don't know <laughs> what the story is. I don't know what's being set up. I know it's some sort of event. I don't read the news anymore, so I try to keep out of spoilers, not knowing what's coming. Scott Snyder, James Tynion the fourth, writing it with Jim Lee, Andy Kubert, and John Romita Jr. on art. And it was this kind of fast-paced, breakneck story that went through the DCU and it was like every three pages, it was like, oh, Hawkman, oh, oh, Mr. Miracle, oh, Plastic Man, oh, as everyone like I haven't seen in forever. And then like every ten pages, it changed artists. <laughs> Mr. Terrific, and every yeah. ten pages change. Well, yeah, but that's not so bad. It's three, three, three solid hours. Yeah, yeah. This is leading to the Dark Knight's Metal event, and so the Forge is what you, you put metal in to shape it. Um, I don't know how that all relates to what's going on here. I don't know why. At the end, the big reveal is that the Joker is there too. We haven't seen the Joker in a while, but it was very exciting. So yeah, the, as I was reading this. I wasn't quite sure if you were going to take the bait to make this pick of the week, but as I read it, I'm like, oh, God, if there was ever a book made for Connor, this feels like it. And also, admittedly, like I haven't been reading Justice League for a very long time, but this feels like a Justice League book. Yes, and that's that's part of the feeling was that I have I don't really read the team books right now. DC hasn't really been doing events really since the New 52 started. They've done only a couple, and that, that was six years ago. Yep. So this felt big. It felt appropriately big. And it felt fun in the team. I, you just love the characters interacting, and, you, and this was done really well. I'm assuming yeah. Snyder was on plots, and, and Tinyan was on co-plotting and, and scripting. I assume that's how they usually work. But uh, yeah. it was just super fun. And again, I don't know what's happening here at all. Not, not, right. a, not okay, a bit. Okay, so, so I wasn't alone. You're not, I'm not alone in my, like, I don't know what is going on here. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but that was kind of fun. Mostly because it, you just it was spent a lot of time being reintroduced to these characters. I will say, normally we complain about uh, the comics taking their cues from the movies and TV shows. In this case, I really like long hair and bearded Arthur with the classic costume. I think, yeah. that's, a, I think that's a good look. And yeah, and I don't know if that's necessarily. I mean, yes, Jason Momoa, who is going to be playing Aquaman in the movies, does have long hair and a beard, but he he still doesn't look like this in the comics. Like this, I feel like it's like it's movie adjacent. It's co- it's a compromise. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like a compromise. Like, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, so I, like I said, um, it's some sort of prelude to some sort of big story. It involves Hawkman. It involves Batman. It involves Plastic Man. It involves the Joker. I love I was just, I was just literally on the page with the Plastic Man egg. And, I was, and, the, and the thing is, even I'm not a huge DZ fan, but when we get that full-page spread of whatever predicament Plastic Man's in right now, I'm like, ooh, Plastic Man. Right, exactly. <laughs> 
And I loved the scene in, that in the Fortress of Solitude where uh, Mr. Miracle had to help them unlock the unlo- unlockable lock or whatever it yep. was. Mr. Miracle's great. The new gods are great. It's classic suited Mr. Miracle. He doesn't have all the weird lines on his suit. Now, now here's here's the thing about that, and that's that scene particularly kind of irked ir- me or whatever. But so you got Jim Lee, Andy Kubert, and John Romita Jr. on pencils, right? right. And b- big guns there. You know, DC. Yeah. I mean, of course, DC needs a big gun. They go to Jim Lee, but getting Andy Kubert, who's who's come and gone to DC, and of course John Romita has been there for a while, right? And for a moment, it felt it felt like like the Hawkman pages were Kubert, yeah, right. And then I was like, okay, cool. Maybe they're going to have different artists doing different scenes. But it was really kind of jarring in that Fortress of Solitude scene when we cut from Romita to Lee mid-scene. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that was a little jarring. I would have liked to a, l- a little better management of the artists and, like, having them be focused on individual scenes than at rather, like, page-to-page changing. I agree with that. But yeah, ultimately... I let it slide because, I, again, I, sure. I like all three of these artists a lot. I also like, so at the end, Duke, Batman's non-Robin sidekick, and Green Lantern, Hal Jordan stumble on the Joker. And I always like when non-hero villains are interacting with the other heroes, you know? So like Sinestro fighting the Flash or in this yeah. case, Joker with the Green Lantern because it's I know it's going to happen ultimately when Joker and Batman meet up, but you don't really know what's going to happen when the Joker and Green Lantern meet up. You would think, not a lot, that he should just put him in a big bubble, but it's just, it's a more interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And also just you know, seeing these combinations of characters and seeing characters that I haven't seen in the books that I've read in DC in a while, like seeing Mr. Terrific come back, yep. you know, and I guess I get the sense he's been away or who knows what, what, what the deal well, he is. He was on a different Earth. He's, you know, the Earth right. 2 book was taking place on Earth 2, so he went... Oh, uh, right, right, right. Remember remember way back then he went over to... Yep. The, yeah, after his terrible... Oh, man, remember how good James Robinson did on that Earth 2 book, by the way? Oh man! Uh, but then, then, then there's the reference to Batman and the Outsiders. Which did that happen in New Fifty Two, or is that pre New Fifty Two? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? I, I know it's it's Batman in the new uh, in the new costume. I did like how the Batman and the Outsiders took time to take a, a group photo together. Well, you always uh, that, have to have you know you know just like the yeah. X Men, you want to have your your class photo on the wall at some point. Yeah, you want to have your memories, yeah, kind of there. But then um, I thought it was interesting because this past couple of months you've been enjoying the Death of Hawkman miniseries, right? I would say I was enjoying it. I was consuming it. I was re- reading it. <laughs> the information went into my brain and left again. Are we saying that Batman's keeping Doctor Fate's helmet on display in the Batcave? That's what it looks like, doesn't it? <laughs> it was weird, right? Right, yeah, that was a little odd. I mean, a lot of question marks, but I guess my big question about this is that it seems like this whole metal, dark kind of story, it's tied to the nth metal or whatever it is that, that is related to Hawkman, right? Like, it, that it, Hawkman appears to be a key part of this story, no? Yeah, because I, I, he's, he's the thread running through this entire book other than Batman. Right. Uh, I would say that nth metal is probably what this is all about, although there are other mystical metals, but maybe it's all nth metal. But I, right. I feel like that's probably what this is. It, will this yeah. be DC's latest attempt to try to fix Hawkman, which they, they try to do every three or four years? We'll see. But it was fun. It opens up with Batman in a giant volcano-proof suit. And who doesn't love that? <laughs> Why does he have cool. that laying around? Did he build it just for this mission? And how long did it take? It's just, it, this was big and over-the-top and fun. And it included all of your favorite DC characters. And it had three quality artists. And it was a, it's a prelude. Yeah. Much like... Secret War, War, Empire number zero. This is right. not a number one. We'll have we'll have Dark Knights number one, um, colon Metal number one soon. But so I right. don't really know. It's a prelude. Hopefully, issue one of Metal will clear some of this up. But 
in the Batcave, he also has Dr. Fate's helmet as well as Aquaman's trident and Wonder Woman's gauntlets. He's a creepy collector. I can't deny. I can't deny. Right. And, and who is the voice talking to Green Lantern and, and that the character who I just do not care about? I believe that's the Joker. Oh, is that the Joker? Oh, yeah. right, right. At the end, yeah, they open the door and it's yeah. the Joker. Got it. Yeah. 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 And well, so he's mostly keeping the Joker. He seems to know a lot, a, lot, a lot about Batman, though. Yeah. Well, he, he's, he's studied him for his entire life, right? Yeah. This is the big event, right? This is the big DC moment for you as a fan. Well, this is not the button, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, how does this measure in comparison to the button, I guess? Nothing is as good as the button. The button was one of the best. The, the button keeps coming up in my house. Like, man, the button was really good. Like, out of nowhere. <laughs> well, so here's the question, though, is that, you know, this is happening. Like, so we're not going to go back to the Watchmen question for what, till the fall, right? Whenever that Superman doomsday clock. Yeah. So does, yeah. So does the slow burn. So, like, aren't you dying to know what's going on with Dr. Manhattan and that? And, like, is this enough? Like, how can all this be happening at the same time? That's my question. I guess it's comics. That's comics. <laughs> As a fan, is it, as a fan, is it frustrating to you? No, I mean, no. I mean, I, I don't even know what this is. I sort of just considering this not out of continuity, but sort of in its own bubble because, like, Aquaman doesn't look like this in his regular book, you know. So, right. I'm not saying yeah. this is an out of continuity story. It's not. It's just I'm not so worried about it because it's it's very, it's very much in its own thing. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a controversial statement, but it felt like the best kind of Michael Bay movie. Like it was, fa- <laughs> it was fast paced and breakneck, and it was fun. Like like The Rock, you know. Like it it moved quickly from scene to yeah, scene. Yeah. Big important things seemed to be happening, and uh, it featured characters that I love by artists and two great writers. So it was it was just I had such a great time reading yeah. it. It was just fun. And this week was a lot of that. A lot of fun books like that. Yeah, this week this week featured another wave of DC Comics being you know kind of good corporate synergistic partner and doing a crossover with Looney Tunes. Yes. And to be honest, we're gonna get later in the show. We're gonna talk about the the patron pick, mm-hmm. the book the, the book that the supporting I fanboy patrons picked for us to read this week. But I was surprised that one of these books did not win because I was I thought for sure it would be a lock. Legion of Superheroes Bugs Bunny was the close second book. Yes, but I'm surprised, it, but it didn't get the job done. But I'm surprised. I thought it would. It, it, yeah. it, it no, was no, I'm sorry. Mar- Martian, Martian the Manhunter, Marvin the Martian special came in second, right? No, no, no. Legion of Superheroes, Bugs Bunny, I thought was much, much, much better than the Marvin the Martian book. Oh, no, not quality-wise. I'm talking voting-wise. Oh. Voting-wise. Voting, I'm looking at the results. It's Martian Manhunter. Yeah, came, Martian Manhunter yeah. came in second. Anyway. Oh, I'm, I'm, okay. I thought you were talking. Never mind. We're very, there's a lot of competitions happening here. <laughs> I thought you meant <laughs> in terms of winning the pick. Yes. Oh, no, no. I mean, in, in, yeah, in, terms, of, in terms of the patron picks voting... I was saying that the Martian Manhunter Marvin, the Martian special number one, came in second in the voting. But I agree with you. Legion of Superheroes Bug Bunny special number one was the was the superior of the two this yes. week. Written by Sam yeah. Humphreys, uh, drawn by Tom Grummet with inks by Scott Hanna, like a classic 90s DC art team. Uh, they're doing a, a bit of Tom Grummet and a bit of Kurt Swan in here. And yes. When's the last time you read a Legion of Superheroes story? Not only last time I read a Legion of Superhero story, but like a classic Legion of Superhero yeah. story. Like, and and I gotta give it to Sam Humphreys for not only here, and and we're gonna we're gonna analyze why Martian the Manhunter and Marvin the Martian didn't why I think it didn't work, whereas Legion of Superheroes and Bugs Bunny special did work. Yes, Sam Humphreys was not afraid to lean into what made the Legion so great. 
right, yes. in terms of the characters and the character choices, but then also the narration boxes, the thought balloons, like all of those hallmark elements of the 80s and early 90s kind of comics kind of approach, and then lean into it and then have a ton of fun with it. I love the interstitial moments where they would all start angsting out about yes. different things, and it would happen on like a regular beat, and yep. it was great. It was really great. It just felt like a loving tribute to that era and these kind of comics, but also acknowledging that that in in mod, the modern lens they could be kind of silly. Yeah. And Bugs Bunny was great. I mean, he also had a great voice for Bugs Bunny. Well, and that's and that's the thing is that like what yeah he did have a great voice for Bugs Bunny. There's a lot of the stuff that you would expect. Um, you know, I'm reading it in his kind of Bugs Bunny voice. Tom Grummet draw, draws. A, I mean, Tom Grummet's a great artist. I mean, yeah. like we talk we talk about you know the art styles, what comes and goes, and and there's a lot of guys who've been doing this for a long time and are yeoman. Is Yeoman the right word, or just like you know, veterans or whatever? Yeah. You know, and and while they not might not be as an edgy as a you know Jim Lee or a Ryan Stegman or whatever kind of art style type is, you know, they've been doing comics long enough. They know how to tell a story and can draw in a style like animation. You know, like you know, this had very clean lines, very kind of you know, like it, you know, it. I, I could see it working as a cartoon. You know, you want Journeyman. Yeah, Journeyman. That's what I want. Journeyman. Also, exactly. I would point out one Supergirl who's in because she was she's a big part of the Legion at some points in history, yeah. uh, wearing her '90s costume as well. This was very much. In, I mean, yep. and Tom Grummet was one of the top guys in the night, one of my favorite guys in the '90s. Yeah, he, he yeah. did. He did Superman. There's a few, one of the chapters is called "Funeral for a Friend." He was he was one of the artists on Superman at the time, of Death of Superman in 1993. Yep. It was fun, and, I, and Bugs Bunny wearing the Superman suit with boots was a little weird. I just the boots were yeah. weird, but. <laughs> I I had a great time reading this. When I read this before I read The Forge, uh, at that time I read this, I thought, I thought it was going to be the pick of the week for sure. I, I w- this would this would be my pick of the week for and for a couple of reasons. I, I thought it was great. I thought again, like I said, Sam Humphries was leaning into it and having fun with it. It's self-referential, you know, like yeah. like calling out the homages and stuff like that. To to echo Josh since he's not here, who is this for? I mean, this is for us. This yeah. is for, or you know, like comic dorks. This is not for a new audience or anything like that. I wouldn't even say somebody who's into Bugs Bunny could pick this up. I mean, they could, but like, this is for comics fans, and sometimes that's okay. Well, it, it's. I would say it's for the majority of the comics readership. It's for it's yeah, for thirty-five to fifty-five year olds who are most. Oh yeah, no, exactly. Comics. For comics people, yeah. yeah. Well, I find it fascinating. I love the backup by Juan Manuel Ortiz, which basically just told the same story in a different style. Yeah, I was very. Con- I was very confused. I started reading it and I said, wait, 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 wait a minute. This yeah. all just happened. Yeah. It's exactly, it's it's not exactly, but, you know, like, beat for beat, like, in terms of, like, the, like, it seems like they took the same outline and then went in two different directions, and, I mean, I love, you know, uh, you know, the art style in, you know, Juan Manuel Ortiz is, like, a way, you know, like, almost like a fan of graphics kind of clean art style, which I just love, but, like, I, I thought it was hysterical, like, this is the same story, like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> really weird, really, really weird. Bugs makes more sense in the backup with, with his Bugs feed than with the boots. That's what I'll yes. say. I'll point out. But it, Agreed. This whole package was great. And I think yeah. in comparison, the Martian Manor, Marvin the Martian special, which you'd think would be right in my wheelhouse because I love Martian Manor and I never get to read them because they, don't, they hardly use them. Yeah. And Marvin the Martian is a funny combination. I thought this wasn't as no. successful. I agree with you. And this, so, so what I did was I was, I was so excited for these because as everyone knows, I love the wacky. I love when things get weird. I, you know, we had such a great time with, with Flintstones and that came from the Hanna-Barbera side. And so, okay, they're going to do Looney Tunes. What are they going to do here? 
I read Martian the Manhunter and Marvin the Martian first because I just thought that was like, what a great pairing, right? Yeah. You got two, two Martians, what you can do with this. And the reason why Legion of Superheroes Bugs Bunny worked is why Martian the Manhunter and Marvin the Martian did not work. And what happened was is that Legion of Superheroes Bugs Bunny put Bugs Bunny in the world of Legion of Superheroes. Right. Right. And then they dealt with that. The at least the lead story written by Steve Orlando and Frank Barbieri with art by Aaron Lapresti, who I believe did your Death of Hawkman series, right? It, it just um, keeps coming up, and I wish it wouldn't. Yeah, no, I, I'm not gonna let you forget about it. <laughs> For the choice they made with this is at po- they made Martian the Manhunter try to fit in Martian Manhunter in DC Comics' world, and I think that was a strategic mistake. Yeah, it's, think- it's clearly it's clearly in the now. Yeah, it's it's in the now, and they're they're uh, they're attributing Mar- Marvin the Martian as if he's another a Martian from a multiverse or what you know from another kind of th- you know, thing, and he's way more you know he's very violent you know they they kind of give a little character kind of design and kind of giving him more like playing up the Roman centurion kind of side of thing whatever. And just reading it, I'm like, oh, this just feels like a dumb DC comic where this is like this didn't feel like Marvin the Martian, right? And then I got to the backup. And that is drawn in the Looney Tune style with Marvin the Martian with the big eyes and with the red platform in space that he would, you know, that was kind yeah. of would walk upon. And I was like, this is what I'm looking for. Like the backup was way better, I thought, than yeah. the lead story. What I think it, the difference is, is this is a typical comic that tries to explain everything and make it make sense. And Legion of Superheroes and Bunny didn't do that at all. They didn't care to explain why this was happening. It just was happening. Yep. I didn't dislike this one. In comparison, it really felt short. Yeah. Well, I just, I just thought, I just thought, you know, in comparison to the backup story, which was written by Jim Fanning with art by John Loiter or Lauder, like I think if you're gonna do Looney Tunes, you gotta lean into Looney Tunes. Don't yes. lean into into DC. Yes, it's gotta be. It's it's gotta be. Look, this is this is silly. I don't want to say stupid. It's not stupid. It's silly. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. And so you gotta own it, and you, you can't take it too seriously. Yep. There's nothing worse than trying to make the Looney Tunes serious. Yeah, I'm not saying this was a deadly serious book, but you're right. I mean, they gave Marvin the Martian muscles, and he looked like just like a, a regular DC character with a, just a big head, as opposed to he didn't look like yeah. an, he didn't look like the animated version, which is what they did with with Bugs Bunny. And I think that's the main thing is that the the main story wasn't fun. Yeah, like it was it was serious and 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 you know teeth clenching, gritty, and all this sort of stuff. And like the moment that you see, and like yeah, of course they had. John Jones call Marvin M apostrophe A R V I N N, you know, like which is fun, but like it still sounds like Marvin. Like why? Like how is that pronounced any differently? Like Marvin, you know, like, Marvin. I don't even know Marvin. You know, and they had a little moment where he had a little just add water tablet and made his made his uh, UFO, but like that ended up being like out of character to Mar- Marvin. Like yeah. the Marvin here is not the character Marvin the, uh, the Marvin the Martian that we know, you know, and love. It's the guy in the backup story. Yep. And so that's why it didn't, it didn't work as well. So hopefully, as these move forward, as we get books like Yosemite Sam and is it Batman or Jonah Hex? It's Jonah Hex. Yep. We'll get more of the Legion of Superheroes style books than the Mar- Martian Manhunter style book. Yeah. Now, before I read Legion of Superheroes, Bugs Bunny, before I read The Forge, the Defenders number one was going to be the pick of the week. This was a lot of there was a lot of books this week where I was like, oh, that's the pick, and then I would read another one. Oh, that's the pick. A lot of potential picks. Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez, basically the TV series. You got Luke Cage, you got Iron Fist, you got Jessica Jones, you got Daredevil. I'm not reading Secret Empire, which we're about to talk about, but this to me almost felt like a Marvel event. Yep. Possibly because, you know, again, it's a bunch of characters together that aren't normally together. Possibly because for some reason now when I see David Marquez's art, it's so good that I feel like it's an event. (laughs) 
And also because Luke, as you know, for all the knocks people give him, Brian Michael Bendis writes all these characters really well. Yep. I really liked this a lot. I really enjoyed this. This was really, really good, and it plays the Bendis' strengths with these characters. Again, similar to Aquaman in Metal, uh, very Netflix TV show adjacent. Yes. You know, like, I, I, as I'm watching, because, like, clearly Marquez is now they're, they're drawing Luke Cage to be Mike Coulter-esque, which I'm totally okay with. <laughs> you know, like, literally, you know, like, while I'm anti-photo referencing, and we'll get to this later in the show, you know, the more you draw him like Mike Coulter, I'm fine with, because Mike Coulter is fantastic. When we got to Iron Fist, I was like, oh, don't look like him. Don't do it. Don't do it. And they didn't, which I'm glad. Yeah. And I really, really liked the... TV-esque introductions yes. of these character. You know, like, I could hear the music. I could hear, like, the record stop and more music playing or whatever. When we first see Luke and, and you see behind him just with each character you would see in kind of a purple hue four key things you need to know about that character with their logo. You know, I love individual character logos, right? Yes, like, that's yes. like, so, so when we first saw that Luke Cage, I was like, oh, this is great. And they did that with, with each of the members of the team. And, you know, like, you got a little Daredevil moment. That's kind of hue and green. You see Elektra and you see him in court and the Daredevil logo. And they did it with Iron Fist and, and with Jessica Jones. And you got sense, here's the team. This feels like a unified team. This doesn't feel tied to nearly it, – it, it's in the Marvel Universe, but it doesn't feel tied – like the, no mention of Secret Empire or anything right. like that. This is just existing. This is really, really good. It was really good. Yeah. And, uh, these characters are fun together, which which makes me more excited for the Defenders TV show. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, Luke Cage and Power Man and Power Man have a uh, – Luke Cage and Iron Fist have a team dynamic, but Daredevil is in the mix and Luke, Jessica Jones, who's – not on the outs with her husband, but is there's a little bit of marital tension happening if you've been reading their regular books. So there's a lot of fun things happening right now, and I like that Daredevil gets to sort of let loose with these guys. He's beat up the entire bar, and Jessica's like, clearly yeah. he needs to be doing this, so we'll just let him. This was great, and David Marquez is so good. He's got a very unique style that has come along very quickly. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it just he did that last event, or he did most of that last event I read, Maybe because I hadn't seen him since then, just it felt like this was a big deal when I saw his art again. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really good, and and story wise, uh, Diamondback is back on the scene and is going after each of them individually, and he put you know put Jessica in the hospital, and that got Luke upset, and you know, and Daredevil suggests that maybe they should you know all four of them should team up, and you know, and Black Cat is in the mix, which is always good. It's very street level, it's very New York, and like and even when Daredevil's explaining the reasoning for the team, you know, kind of makes sense. It's like you know, if the Avengers are up there, we need to be down here, and that's where these characters really thrive, you know, on the streets in Hell's Kitchen and Harlem and in the village and wherever. You know, that's the kind of Marvel stuff I that we like 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 to read. It's the kind of stuff we we're, we're mostly liking to watch on on Netflix. So it makes sense. So like, yes, it, it is this total synergy with the TV stuff, but I don't care because it's working. Yep. And and Bendis is the right guy is the right guy to write all this. And so. Marquez is the right guy to draw it. Yeah, I'm now I'm now very absolutely. excited for this book. Cool. Yeah, nice. I, I, I like you getting excited about something at Marvel. I feel like it's been a while. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> should I be excited about Secret Empire? Uh, I don't know if you should be excited about Secret <laughs> Empire. Or just let's just say it's taken a weird turn. Okay. Because now the the purpose of the book is now it's almost like the quest for the Holy Grail. It's a race between the two sides, Hydra and the heroes that are in the underground who are trying to retrieve cosmic cube fragments. So it's like the broadcast energy transmitter. 
I was just going to say, it's like it's like the BET and G.I. Joe. Yes, correct. And, you know, and meanwhile, you get a little bit of so this is so the arts. So the arts switched. Remember, we were um, praising uh, the work of Sorrentino yes. on the past two issues. Now we're back to Lineal Francis Yu. I don't know if we ever went to Lineal Francis Yu, but Lineal Francis Yu, uh, Yu draws the uh, main story. And there's the little kind of prelude story with uh, art by Rod Reese, the, this bearded Steve Rogers who's trying to get home, right. who looks like he te- he's teamed up with a Falcon and a Bucky character but we don't know who they are that's weird yeah very very weird so basically what happens is that ultron is now taking the face of hank pym and is living in alaska waiting to see how the hydra thing nets out saying that they've basically said that ultron has figured out that he doesn't need to kill humanity (laughs) humanity will just take care of it for him which is kind of funny right and so what you do is you get a team of iron man and hercules and mockingbird and uh, ant-man all going after and quicksilver all going after uh ultron to get his piece of the cosmic cube and at the same time captain america wanda the vision odinson thor and taskmaster are also and, and another ant-man are also on their way and they all meet up and ultron kind of pits them against each other and he captures them they have a very awkward dinner where after Ultron captures them, he keeps them all trapped at this table and makes them talk it through. And the book is less about Cap being in Hydra and Hydra taking over and more about Hank Pym and Ultron and the Avengers. Right. And it ulti- and it ultimately gets to a point where uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, which is it's the it's the hologram Tony Stark, just basically eviscerates Hank Pym and Ultron and says that, you know, we, we've never been the same since what you did to Jan. And, and like it just got it went on a weird tangent, really weird <laughs> tangent. And ultimately, at the end of the day, what happens is, is that the, the, you know, the good guys get the piece of the Cosmic Cube, and then you think, oh, great, they've got a leg up. But then Namor goes to, to Captain America and says, here's my piece of the Cosmic Cube, and so now it's even. And, and as I'm reading this, it's totally I thought of that G.I. Joe episode. It's the broadcast energy transmitter. Yeah, yeah, G. I., yeah. it's just them chasing after Cosmic Cube fragments. One of the best weeks of TV ever. It might be the best week of TV ever, but um, it's that's kind of disappointing because I thought the story would be everything in this would be more about um, you know the Hydra takeover and Cap and all that ramifications, and now this just becomes a a, a race against time, you know, like right. a, again like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, where they're all chasing after these pieces. Um, eh, yeah, is what it is. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm not reading it, so I can't pass judgment. But yeah, as long as you're enjoying it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, I miss uh, Andrea Sorrentino on the art. Um, it wasn't the the best lineal Francis Yu. There was uh, definitely some shaky pages, and I don't know if there's a time element to that or what. But, um, yeah, you know, it rolls on. The sooner this is over, the better, though. <laughs> but I am I am still enjoying it, though, because it's wacky. Let's take a quick break to thank everyone who supports iFanboy, and you can do that by a couple of methods. Number one, the T-shirt store is launched. We talked about this last couple of weeks. iFanboy.threadless.com. That's where you can find our four T-shirts, two classic ones, the iFanboy logo shirt, the Herm shirt, and our two new shirts, the Pick of the Week podcast and the Rating shirt. We've got more designs coming soon, so you can check out those shirts. They're all different kinds of styles. You can get them on a baseball tee. You can get them on a regular tee. You can get them on the, on the colors and styles that we, we recommend, all kinds of things are available at ifanboy.threadless.com. Help us out at ifanboy.com support. That's where you find our Amazon link. If you've got an ad blocker, you won't see it. But you can do all your shopping there. I guess you'll do your grocery shopping there at some point soon. And you can <laughs> do that, replace your link. Take that link, put it into your browser for Amazon, and never think about it again. We appreciate everybody that does that. You can also directly donate on that page via PayPal. Again, eccentric billionaires welcome. Josh is on the show this week to malign strawberry shortcake. So if you are a strawberry shortcake fan and you're an eccentric billionaire you want to punish josh you can also put a note in there telling us money not for josh <laughs> yeah that's right yeah we can separate your money and make it not for josh we so. can <laughs> honor that so 
feel free to do so at ifanboy.com slash support. Finally, all of our patrons, we love you at patreon.com slash ifanboy. We are just a little bit away from our next goal, which is a non-comics media podcast every month. But currently, you can go there, you can join up, you can get your patron power. At the end of the show, you can vote in the patron pick. You can enjoy our monthly hangouts we do with the patrons only, which next one's coming up soon. We'll tell you about that at the end of the show. A lot of things happening at patreon.com slash ifanboy. So thank you, everyone who supports the show via all of these methods. Yes. And a quick check-in on Detective Comics 958 I wanted to talk about because... Was it last week where I was talking about Batman's love interests, or was it the week before? Yeah, so uh, I think it was last week. It was last week. This week featured a surprise final page appearance by Satana, who I mentioned is one of my my favorite. So hopefully they fall in love and have a million babies. It's almost as if they listened to you. Yeah, three months ago when they made the comic. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so. (laughs) All right, cool. Good to have Satana back. Did you read Jimmy's Bastards, Ron? I did not, although I'm regretting it. Because I hear it's good. Jimmy's Bastards from Aftershock? Aftershock. Yes, from Aftershock Comics, yep. Is the book that asks the question, would you like to read Garth Ennis' take on James Bond? And if the answer is yes, then this is the book for you. The the answer is yes. I might have to go back and check this out. Uh, Art by Russ Braun. The story of this is basically a James Bond-esque character who is sort of in the mold of Roger Moore and or Pierce Brosnan, sort of the handsome, foppish version of James Bond. Yep. Which, again, I love. I'm not, this is not a denigration. That's just the kind of character he was. What if all of his bastard children he's had all over the world throughout the years got together and decided they needed to kill him? And oh, that's, that a, that's, is, a good, that's, a, that's a good angle. <laughs> that is the setup in Jimmy's Bastards number one. This was also the running for pick of the week. There was about four books that were in the mix, and this was one of them. Terrific art by Russ Braun. And Garth Ennis is taking the piss out of James Bond, which is fine. It's fun. I enjoyed it. I'm a big James Always Bond a good fan, thing. And I'm a big Garth Ennis fan. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'm going to check that out then. I, I, I wanted to hear what you thought of it because I don't want to waste my time. So. <laughs> it's good. It's good, Garth Ennis. So I'll I'll knock the "Are you reading?" question back to you. Are you reading "Bug: The Adventures of the Forager" still, or did you not stick with it? No, no, I'm I'm not Josh. Oh, so you stuck I, with it? I liked it. Remember, we talked about this. I liked yeah, it. I, I thought this issue was fantastic, and and basically, Bug is Mike Allred doing Madman in the DC universe, which I'm totally fine with, and traveling through time. And in this issue, it's him in World War II with uh, the original losers, along with the Golden Age Blue Beetle, Sandman, and Sandy, uh, the Sa- Sandman's sidekick. <laughs> I do feel a little bit like I, I was high while reading this book. Yes, yes. It's not, it's not necessarily a criticism. I was like, I don't know what's going on. It's gorgeous, and it's weird, and it's fun, but I, I don't know what's happening. Well, first off, there's a variant cover. Um, if you get the digital edition, you can see it by Doc Shaner, which is just awesome. Yes. Uh, great. That's great to see him doing covers. But uh, at one point, one of the losers' walkie-talkies breaks, and Bug rebuilds it into a mother box. Yeah. And that, that, that allows them to not only stay warm in the snow, where they don't need to wear the, the – the heroes don't need to wear their coats over their costumes, but it also is, like, revealing what they need to do and where they need to go. And they're fighting these big robots with, with electrical plugs for heads, and it's just, like – crazy we- and then abominable snowman's come in it's just like not crazy 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 but awesome mike all red stuff really really good i love it I-, I thought it was great those mother boxes are <laughs> handy yeah they are yeah they can do everything now let's bat the tennis ball back over are you reading briggsland lone wolves i i did not and then i saw this on the rundown and i was like ah oh, i need to read that because i like briggsland so tell me what this tell me is about quietly this. i mean it's, it's just the next issue of briggsland it's just they started over it's like as it's a like mini, his yeah. other book rebels you know they just started over as another mini with a subtitle it's basically the yeah. next it's the, it's the next story arc this is quietly one of the best books being made and i keep forgetting about it because it is so quiet 
but uh, it's a really terrific drama. We we talked about this when it first came out. It's, this is like, I mean, it's clearly a TV pitch, but it's a really good and well-made one, and it's a one that's very relevant to the times about right. a, a separatist family. The Briggs family owns 100 acres of land up in upstate New York who are coming into conflict with the government, and something happens very serious here. I'm not going to spoil it because I know a lot of people aren't reading it, but some people accidentally stumble onto the Briggs land, and uh, that's not good. All right. Also, there's a, you know the flash forward technique where we see in the future something really bad's happened. Now we've we've have, we've gone backwards to find out how we get there. Yeah. Great arc by Mac Chatter. Brian Wood excels at these kind of political intrigue stories. It's sort of like DMZ, but in the woods, and uh, really, really, really good. Not bad. All right, I'll check that out as well too. I got I got I got homework to do now. Yes. So Kingpin number five wraps up the miniseries by Matt Rosenberg and Ben Torres. And just real quickly, well, it, wraps it wasn't up a her- miniseries. It was he was on Twitter saying he had a whole plan for a second arc. It got canceled. Well, it uh, wraps up this series. Yeah, there we go. About <laughs> that, we'll say that I was being generous. And that's why that's why and I guess probably that's probably why this felt like it wrapped up very quickly and neatly and nicely. Right? Yeah. But I will say this about this book: two things. One is that. Through these five issues, you saw the progression of Ben Torres get to become a better artist, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you had some issues with him, but I saw him just progressing and getting stronger with each issue. And on the third page of this issue, there's a scene where the kingpin is eating a kingpin-sized sandwich, and it's just glorious. <laughs> He's just holding this hoagie in his big, fat kingpin hand. And, the, and if you look at the scale between the chair and him, the sandwich has just got to be enormous. And I just want to know what bakery he gets his uh, heroes made extra large at. He's got to maintain that weight. It's not easy. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. so it was great. Healthy weight, too. A healthy weight, indeed. And then uh, also wrapping up, but I think on uh, as planned, was yes. Green Valley number 9 by Max Landis and Giuseppe Camicoli. So this is a double-size, 48-page finished issue, and uh, I thought I, I, I thought this wrapped up great, and I want this to be like a collection and go read it for a fun, crazy time travel story. What did you think of the finish? It's interesting because the, the, the anomaly of the story ends, the villain is dispatched about halfway through. So I was like, well, well now what? There's yeah. a lot of pages left, but you, you then get the the team who has not been fractured, but is a bit frayed coming back together, and then we see that the ramifications of time travel mean something for this team in a good way. Yeah. Which is nice because usually yeah. it's not that. Usually it goes in the other direction, right? I like this miniseries a lot. This is one of the quiet gems of comics in the last couple of months. Yep. We talked about almost every issue. It's been a super fun ride. Just every Kevin Coley's art's been fantastic. And you're right, this is a great little fun time travel story involving knights and, and dealing with modern technology and I just thought this yeah. was terrific. It was a ton of fun, ton of fun. And so over in Star Wars corner, Star Wars number 32, it's got Jason Aaron and Salvador LaRocca continuing the uh, the crossover between Dr. Aphra and Star Wars and whatnot. And this had one of the most really, I mean, I know with Salvador LaRocca we're going to expect it and we praise him for his the stuff that he draws that is like technology or imagine, imagine you know, imagination-based is yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. But there's one page where Han Solo comes in and it's just straight up a copy paste job from a photo for like, it is like, so basically, yeah. So basically similar to Indiana Jones and the temple of doom, Han Solo gets infected and becomes a bad guy and he's wearing the bad guy armor. And I looked, I turned the page and I saw the face and I like, I know the star Wars publicity photo. This photo was taken from Yeah. like, and and then I went back and I looked through the whole, whole issue. And there's a couple of times where he draws, he draws Han. Like there's one point where it's in the next page where his face is in the shadows and you can see clearly that's been drawn or whatever. But I looked throughout the, the book and there's at least one instance for Han, Leia and Luke where it's just straight up traced over a photo. And it's just like, Oh, it just reminds me how much more I want that like cartooning style with star Wars. Wars as opposed to LaRocca's uh, photorealistic style. 
Yeah, it's it's so weird that if you're going to draw me all the other panels like normal, why would you trace that one or photo reference that or would do whatever you're doing that one panel? Yep. It's very strange. Very, very strange. Because it's a big reveal. I get it. And it's like it's, it's a static shot and there's not a lot of action. And like and it's a straight on head on. So like that's where you could do it. You know, but it, I, I don't I just don't get it. I don't, I don't you know, and I I know I, I think LaRocca is great when he's drawing stuff that requires imagination. But when he's right. doing photo stuff, it's just not it's no good. Yeah. All right. Well, All there right. you go. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. As we said earlier, if you become a patron at patreon.com slash ifambo, you can vote every week. Every patron of any, any level can vote on a patron pick to add to this, this week's show. And this week, you're right, the Bugs Bunny book what, and the Martian Manhunter book were the, were the close third and second. Uh, Martian yep. Manhunter was second. But this week, Birthright number 25. Yep. Comics, Joshua Williamson, Andre Bresson. A book we've talked about many times has been the pick of the week before. was made the pick. They, people wanted us to check in. Because we hadn't talked about it in a while. On the 25th issue, there was a movement on the comment section of the, of the patron pick this week to check in. Are you still reading this? Uh, I am not. I dropped off somewhere before issue 10. So I'm way out of it. So interesting. Okay, so you, you're not completely lost because you know the basic no, yeah, premise. No, I, 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 I was glad. And I saw, some, I saw some individual plot developments have occurred. But ultimately, the general plot has not moved forward at all. Yeah. Was that your overall feeling on the book? That was my overall feeling on the book. I'm still enjoying it. I, th- I think the Andre Bresson art's fantastic in this issue. He I, think, to, I agree with you. I think he got to great. draw a fantastic sequence in which one of the witches turns her mansion into a giant Voltron-esque warrior, and uh, that was a great two-page spread and then sequence. I liked the book better when it was a weirdo road story in which the main character, he was a kid who fell through a dimensional hole into another dimension of a fantasy world, and he grew up there. Meanwhile, back at home, everyone thought his dad killed him in the woods. He came home, but as a fully grown warrior, time has passed differently in the other dimension, and really he was there to conquer Earth. And there was a whole, that was a very interesting tension. They were on the run from the cops, and that was fun. But now it's like full-blown fantasy fighting, and it's fine. It's just not as interesting to me as the, as the first, we'll say, 10 issues or so. All right. There's a lot to keep track of, a lot of demons and mages and witches and shifting alliances and allegiances and it's 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 a lot to keep in your head month to month yeah and i and i got the and i got the sense that stuff had happened like apparently he the the main character gotten a woman pregnant and she's a you know and like and so that 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 came to a head in this issue but i said then got the sense that his family still doesn't quite you know they they don't quite trust him or know what to make of him and and his betrayal is looming and you know like i you know so like the the main general themes i got from when i dropped off didn't seem to have gone you know didn't seem to have moved on which i guess is good or again or bad i could tell exactly what was going on i could tell there was a big fight i thought the voltron thing was awesome i think i think Bresson's art is awesome i think i still think it's a good book and i actually recommend this to people to check out because i think birthright is a great concept and it's it's a quality book so yeah it was fun to revisit it but i assume not fun enough you're gonna continue reading no, I don't think so. So ratings. <laughs> ratings, ratings, ratings. I give it a three and a half. I'll also give it a three and a half. All right, sticking with it. Yes. No. Okay. So well, there you go. And for no other no other reason than just I have a lot to read and I just don't want another you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I get no it. other reason. I totally that, get yeah. it. So. Yep. So there you go, Birthright number 25. That was your patron pick. You can uh, go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and vote there. You can also sign up, I think, at a $5 level. I mean, I said $3 last week, but it was $5 level to get your own dumb superpower. We give them out every week. Let's start thanking Benjamin Terry, who can smell all the flowers. At once? He can identify and pick out all the flowers through their scents. 
Well, okay. Well, wait, 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 wait. So I can smell all the flowers too, but he can smell them and then identify. He just knows what they are. Okay. Cool. I mean, all I don't, right. I don't know what a rose smells like versus a daisy, but he does. All right. So he's he's got the fl- he's got he's got innate flower knowledge. Innate flower knowledge. Can he talk to the flowers? He talks to them. They don't talk back. Oh, okay. So there's no. <laughs> All right, cool. Right on. Our next patron that we'd like to thank is James Lehman, who has the ability to shapeshift into John Lehman, the writer of Chew. <laughs> and it's, I mean, and and it's it's a very specific power, but it's great at Comic Cons. He could just he just walks in free of charge. You know, it's John Lehman. So uh, John Lehman, not a big fan of James Lehman, unfortunately. So although actually knowing John, he might like he might like James. <laughs> That's interesting. Does he sound like him or just look like him? Oh yeah, no, it's exactly. It's like Mystique, but he can only change into John Layman. Can <laughs> can he write like him when he's his, in his shape? No, no, he does not have his imagination or his, his talent. I mean, maybe he can he can work on that, but it just purely he just looks and sounds like John Layman. Huh. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff Shea. So you know how people make like the gesture to make a phone call with your hand, like with your thumb out and your pinky out. Yep. He can actually make a phone call like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's very similar to the next power that we're going to get, but that's oh, very, cool. very cool. Very cool. So he, so he, his hand is a functional phone. Yeah, he has. He he can type into his fingers, his three fingers, the numbers. <laughs> he only has three. He only has three numbers, though. He can only call combinations <laughs> of one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> no, three fingers along each knuckle. Um, yeah, and then he can dial. He can dial a phone and through his hands. All right, cool, good. But he can't text or no, data. No, or... he doesn't know data plan. He just it's a functional. Yeah. It's just a phone. But he he yeah. can call he can call overseas for free of charge. Oh wow, nice, not bad, not bad. Um, have you seen? Speaking of that, have you seen that phone? I forget what it's called, but it only makes makes and receives calls to ten people. No. Like I feel like it's up here. Like there's no texting. There's no like, and, and all it can do is call. You have a list of ten people, and the and it can call those ten people, or they can call you, and that's all it does. Oh, interesting. And I I thought of you when I when I saw that. Kids. I yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's good for kids, but it's also, but it's all like designy and like that sort of thing. All right, uh, and our last power comes, uh, our, our last power comes to the supporting patron David McFarlane, who um, has the ability with his hands to weigh anything and know exactly how much it weighs down to the uh, two two dots past in the ounces. So uh, interesting. Yes, and and what's also interesting is that uh, the weight then displays in his eyeballs like a like a uh, display readout so he's a scale he's a human scale to himself or to people outside of him no people like actually he doesn't know how much it weighs he's got to ask whoever he's with he's like hey how much is what i'm holding weigh and they look at his eye and they go 45 pounds okay great or he so, looks in the mirror <laughs> or he looks in the mirror right <laughs> interesting were you at a deli today <laughs> no i was not okay just, just making sure uh, post office maybe but I, i'll uh, never i'll never tell i'll never tell <laughs> thanks everyone thanks to benjamin james jeff david everyone else at patreon.com slash ifanboy someone wrote in and asked where we were on the list i think we're <laughs> i think we're about halfway yeah. through the people it's hard to gauge because people give it different levels and uh but uh we're about halfway through the number of people who get powers and of course, there are more every day. So, and we're doing them in the order of people signing up. So, just, you just I want to be aware. About, I want everyone to be aware about that. You got to hold tight. If you're new, if you're new, you got to hold tight. It'll, it'll yeah. What's the, what's what's this episode number? What number are we on? Five eighty nine. Five eighty nine. So, to give you context, 
we are getting through. <laughs> well, we, we got a long way to go. All right, let's just say that. <laughs> but we will get to everyone. Stay tuned and listen. Thank you for your support. Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy where you can sign up. And anybody $5 or more gets a, a superpower. <laughs> All right. Let's do some audience questions. Let's do it. First one comes from Stephen from London, jolly old London. says, been thinking about this question since June of 1991. I, I, I'm right there with you, Stephen. Now that Twin Peaks is back with a bang, what are your favorite surreal, weird, David Lynch-esque comics? I noticed that while you love Twin Peaks, you don't seem to be such fans of high surrealism in comics. At any rate, you don't discuss surreal comics very frequently. Personally, my vote for Best Strange Comic and one of all-time favorite comics goes to Grant Morrison's Nameless. Um, I don't think uh, that we are not fans of surreal comics. I just think that there aren't many surreal comics published on a regular basis, especially these days. And also of, the, of a certain quality level. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. But I, I would go as far to say that I actually do like surreal comics. And, like, it's no surprise that Connor and I, being fans of Twin Peaks, I mean, Connor, I don't know where yeah. you stand, but you like, you like a lot of Grant Morrison's work. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, obviously, yeah, he's one of my favorite yeah. writers. We Also, surrealism is, is tricky because if it's not done well, it's really, really bad. Yeah, so, agreed. You know, some would even say that parts of Twin Peaks were that way. Yeah, uh, they were. Should we just talk about James for the next twenty minutes? Uh, no, we we can't. And it's that song. It, it, I, you, I mean, I would say Grant Morrison does the best surrealist comics when he does that kind of thing. Nameless. I don't. I don't know if Nameless was surreal or just weird. It's just that. That's the, also uh, name, hard. Nameless was, name, nameless was more weird horror. I always thought. Some would say that's Twin Peaks as well. Yeah. Surreal is a weird classification because you can actually could apply to a lot of different things. Right. I mean, I I would say when I when he, when he first mentioned surreal, my first thought was um well my, my, I had two thoughts. My first thought was the Max. Right. Yes. Right. Which I thought was which is which you know definitely has its you know it, it's 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 based in reality but gets very surreal very quickly and gets kind of weird out there. My second thought, and this might I don't know I might I could be wrong, but a serious polyp. Yes. Yes. Yeah. By Dave Mazzucchelli. You know, it's about an architect and his life, and and again seeped in real life, but the the storytelling way the art manifestation and the storytelling manner gets very surreal throughout the book it's hard because surrealism by its definition is is anti-realism and it's bizarre and that's a lot of comics yep you could say birthright technically is surreal it's not it's not real it's fantasy yep. so True. It's, no it's, but, it's but a, fantasy it's, yeah yeah i mean I, I but i feel like fantasy is different than surrealism i, I think don't there's know. a what, certain what level you... of obtuseness that has to be in the surrealness as well yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess other than Grant Morrison, I don't read a lot of surreal comics. It's just also sometimes I don't necessarily look for one type of story in every genre, every kind of every right. kind of media. Like uh, maybe what I would want to watch in a TV show isn't what I want to read in a comic book. And but, right. You know. I'm I also coming to mind is uh, Black Hole by Charles Burns. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to see your definition of surreal. I mean, I've seen people describe a lot of like Arkham Asylum and Sandman as surreal, right? I mean, you know. I mean, yeah, certain people it could be. King City by Brandon Graham could be seen as surreal. Dave McKean's art in Arkham Asylum could be considered surrealist. Yeah. But then again, that's a Grant Morrison story. Yeah. You know, there yeah. you go. Damien M. from Upstate New York writes and says, A question for both iFanboy, maybe just Ron and Connor, and Damn Fine Podcast. How Ooh. would you feel about a Twin Peaks Expanded Universe comic? Wait, wait a minute. I'm noticing a theme in our emails this week, Connor. Well played. Writers, if not Frost and Lynch, artist, Lynch on covers would be cool, though. Content, prequel, but different from Firewalk With Me. The Missing 25 Years, maybe cover some of the stories involving the actors that are no longer with us. 
I no. like how Damien went. I like how well. At first, before we say a resounding no, I like how Damien went as far to answer his own question for us. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. And I'm with you, Connor. No, <laughs> I don't. Not nine. I don't. Nine. Uh, yet, I don't uh, like most tie-in comics these days. Yeah. I've read some of them in the past, and some have been good, but I don't need a tie-in comic for everything. Agreed. I don't believe that just because, like, we 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 suffer from this need to have more, more, more of everything that we yeah. love. Yeah. And part of what makes and like Twin Peaks, admittedly, exists in three mediums, right? They're, they're, yes. And and argue argue maybe two, but you know, it existed as a TV show, existed as a movie, existed in books. Yes. Right. And the books is even a stretch. Not all of them are really home runs, if we're honest. <laughs> but I don't necessarily feel the need to read more Twin Peaks in comics form. That said, if I did, I would want someone like a McKelvey or a Doc Shaner or a, like because I just mentioned his name earlier, but like a clean line artist. That's what I would want. I wouldn't want to. And I and the problem is, is that I would imagine if someone's editing a Twin Peaks comic, they would go in the Bill Sienkiewicz kind of direction like a real messy kind of art style, and that's not what I would want, and then I'd be upset and not like it. So there it is. I'll be a total hypocrite and say I'm, I love the books, even when they're not, even when I don't love them specifically. I'm looking forward to the one that they're putting out after the, the return, but I just don't want to read yeah. it in comic form. That's all. Uh, which is fair, which I don't, I don't blame you at all for. Yeah. All right, on to our last email from Esteban, who says, I watched the pilot episode of Twin Peaks based on the recommendations of the iFanboy podcast. The show didn't capture my attention. It may be because the show seems to be about middle white America. Personally, being from poor Mexican background, the show did not resonate with me. I guess my question is, is Twin Peaks an objectively good show or a byproduct of the early 90s? That's a, that's a tough question, Connor. What do you think? Well, I mean, there's, there's no objectively good anything in terms of art. Yeah. So, like, if, if Aaron Sorkin wrote a script and I wrote a script, possibly you could say objectively speaking, his script <laughs> is better than my script. However, one person might like my script more, and for them... It's better, so there's no there's no black and white in terms of art. If you don't like it, then it's not good for you. It doesn't mean it's not good for other people. Um, that's why we constantly argue about comics. Right. Yeah. To, and to answer your question, yes, it's a byproduct of the early 1990s because that's when it came, was made in. <laughs> but also, it the, look at the setting. It's it's the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, and I don't know. You know, like if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a series to connect with because it's reflecting on Mexican heritage and background. No, it's not the show for you. You know, yeah. it, it is mainly white and it's got some touches of, um, of native American, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, if you're looking for a reflection, it, the show is not a reflection, you know, from a quality standpoint, it is good if you are into, you know, surrealism, like we mentioned, kind of mystery, kind of more, you know, a lot of times X-Files fans are big Twin Peaks fans and vice right. versa. I was not an X-Files fan, but still, still nonetheless, you know, so sometimes not everything is for everybody and you tried it and you didn't like it. That's okay, too. I would say also it's very reductive to say it's about middle white America. It's not about middle white America. It's about yep. small town, upper North Pacific West and a, and the demons who live in the woods. It's not about it's and it's also a, right. a take on soap operas. It's a, a tribute to soap, you know, overwrought soap operas. So it's it's about a lot of things. It's not about middle white America. It's just that's just middle, I guess, could be middle class. Right. It's, not, it's not the middle of the country. It's a it's a setting. It's a small town in the upper Northwest. Which, but uh, if you can't well, if you can't relate to it because of that, then that's that's unfortunate. But that's just the way it is. Yeah. So Indeed. There you go. 
All right. If you've got a question, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. Please let us know uh, who you are, where you where you where you come from, how long you've been thinking about that question, and please keep it short and keep it brief. Uh, we always love to hear from you. Thanks for writing in. And we just talked about a lot about Twin Peaks there. If you want more talk about Twin Peaks, you can hear my uh, other podcast over at damnfinepodcast.com. That's damn d a m n finepodcast.com where me and Tom Merritt are talking about the new Twin Peaks show immediately after an episode airs every Sunday new episodes every Sunday night Monday morning and Connor is a frequent guest on it as well as some other uh, a lot of a lot of folks in the comics world are in the Twin Peaks we're gonna I've got some other exciting guests that are coming up that I think fans of my fanboy might enjoy as well too so go to damnfinepodcast.com subscribe listen enjoy we put out a bunch of shows in the last six weeks or so we had of course the Iron Fist show where Ron and I talked about the Netflix series finally we had the Wonder Woman show, where the three of us apparently didn't love Wonder Woman enough for some people. And uh, we had the Booksplode <laughs> show, where we talked about Roughneck from Jeff Lemire. And coming up this month, we'll have a Talksplode, in which Je- Josh does an interview with a creator. And I think it might be quiet for the rest of June. It's only two more weeks, but yeah. uh, July, look for Spider-Man. Yeah. It's only two more weeks in June, but that doesn't mean that there's not more time for us to hang out. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, our loyal patron hangout is going to be occurring on June 19th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. So that is uh, next week, next Monday, in fact, June 19th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 Pacific Time. All patrons who sign up are eligible to uh, come participate in the Hangout. Uh, The more the merrier. It's always a lot of fun. And then if you miss it, there's always the archive of it available on patreon.com slash ifanboy to watch the, the next day after. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know, Connor, you are too, right? Yes. We, we should probably figure out what we're talking about. Since it is tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> is it tomorrow? Oh, no. I thought it was next week. No. God, it's... Damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm all thrown off. It's, it's, next, it's, 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 it's literally tomorrow. So please ta- tune in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, my bad. I, I was looking at the calendar and I realized I'm off a week. Uh, that's, this, that explains so much this week. <laughs> so the hangout is tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Sunday, if you're listening to it on Monday, it is tonight. If you're listening on Tuesday, June 20th or later, you missed it. Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. My apologies. Head over to ifanboy.com where you can find all of our other podcasts. You can follow us on social media on facebook.com slash ifanboy. And you can follow us on Twitter at ifanboy. And you, and you, uh, those are the best places to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. So you can make sure you read the pick of the week so you can keep, uh, listen along to the discussion. And you can follow us individually. I'm on Twitter at RonXO. Josh is at Jay Flanagan. Connor is at CS Kilpatrick on Twitter and on Instagram as well. And finally, if you like the show, please write a review on iTunes for any podcast you listen to, not just our show or the Damn Fine Podcast. Any podcast you listen to, the easiest thing, the best thing you can do, just click on a quick star review while you can still do that before it be, everything gets to be binary. Just give it a quick star rating. Even if you want to take even longer, write a little review. That helps, too. We got actually got a, a big influx of reviews lately, didn't we, Ron? Didn't we get a bunch of new ones? We got a big influx, influx of uh, reviews and also very positive and flattering reviews. And I want to thank everybody who left a good review. I really, really, we really appreciate it. Yeah, so if you like your podcast, consider leaving a review on iTunes. It helps people find it, and we appreciate that. That is it for this week's show. Hopefully Josh is okay. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. I'm Connor. And I'm Ron. See you next week.